Today, we get to the wives and husbands passage that some of you have been waiting for. And so, this morning, I have stress sweat, okay? <laughs> it's not always, but today, it's stress sweat because this is, this is the one. People talk about it, they read it at the wedding. Sometimes they don't read it at the wedding. They have questions about. So we're going to deal with the wives and husbands passage today. It's a great passage. We're going to deal with something that is most fundamental to your Christianity, to you following Jesus. And you've got to learn this no matter how hard it is. All right? It's got to be there for everybody. All right? So we're in... Chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. We have the NIV translation on the screen. I read verse 21 because I think it really should start the passage since it's the one with the verb in it, all right? The second verse, verse 22, doesn't actually have this verb. They borrow it from verse 21, which says, Submit. Submit to one another out of reverence. For Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. If any of you husbands should have underlined, submit to their husbands, I want you to erase it and put it under husbands, love your wives. All right? <laughs> I'm joking with you. All right? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body but they fed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I had a little problem with Graham this morning. There by the fire, it was all good. It was all good. But Graham wanted to put some paper in the fire. And so I said, okay, you can put some paper in the fire. So he threw some paper in the fire. I was very careful. Y'all know how careful I am. And then Graham wanted to put some more paper in the fire. And then he wanted to put some more, and then he wanted to put wood in the fire. And so we went into 
this, Graham, that's enough. But Graham wants to do what Graham wants to do. Just like with the pepper at supper, right, Graham? Graham's right here. He's agreeing with everything his papa says. <laughs> Nina said, no more pepper. And Graham got that pepper shaker and he put it on his food until it was inedible. And the pepper shaker wouldn't even work anymore. Okay, now, Graham, he's a doll, and I love him. Some of you wouldn't even believe this about sweet Graham, the miracle child, but it's true. It's true. He, along with all seven of our grandkids, have a mind of their own and a will of their own. Hope is 14. She is pretty and sweet as she can be, but she's been trying to tell Elena what to do her whole life. And Elena's 10, and she hadn't listened to a bit of it. All seven of them are in charge. That's who they are. So when we get to the word submit here, we just all naturally back up a little bit because it says, wives, submit to your husbands. Now, it does borrow the verb from verse 21, which is a participle. And it is not really in the imperative there so much as it is the middle voice, which is captured with submit yourselves. So it is the apostle saying, submit yourselves to your own husbands. We're talking about a titan circle here. The focus is, is now upon marriage, the marriage relationship, the husband and the wife in that relationship. So we don't want to universalize everything that's said here between husbands and wives to make it between men and women in general. This is in this marriage. There is this focus. Submission is something you have to learn. You don't get it as a two-year-old or a three-year-old or an infant that's crying in bed. It's something you have to learn. Honey, I'm going to go out to the back 40 and get me some squirrels and a rabbit. No, dear, you can't do that. Your sister's coming over for dinner. For dinner. Don't you remember? Can't you smell the cabrita? So the Roman soldier says, oh, yes, my sister, I do remember. Go upstairs and take your shower and come back here and help me cut up these veggies. So the Roman soldier dutifully goes upstairs, takes his shower, and then comes down and cuts up the veggies. He follows his wife's instructions. Like everybody knows we do. Everybody knows we do. The verse 21, submit to one another in the fear of the Lord, works in marriage. It works in parenting. It works at everywhere there's a relationship. It works. So we all know this, okay? That what would we be if our wives were not helping us? We'd be a mess. And so... We learn and we listen and we do accordingly. Submission is something you have to learn, but it's not easy. It's not exciting. How many of you get very excited about submitting? Oh, yes, yes, yes. 
it's just, it just doesn't work that way in us, does it? I mean, it's hard to have our will submitted to the will of another. It's just hard, and that's the nature of submission. Paul is addressing this issue. It's not the only time that it's addressed. So apparently, even in the patriarchy, even back when husbands were supposed to own their wives, the wives were telling them what to do. And sometimes they were doing it too much. And so he has to say, hey, listen, listen, wives, submit to your husbands, all right? They use Sarah and Abraham as an ideal for this submission, which is a good thing. Abraham uh, married Sarah. They are a wonderful couple, a couple of promise. Uh, the scripture in the New Testament says that Abraham, uh, that Sarah called Abraham Lord. And, but you, you do know why Hagar and Ishmael left the house, right? Because Sarah wanted them to. That's why. Even in the patriarchy, who got the blessing? Who got the birthright? The one Rebecca wanted to get the birthright and the blessing. That's who got the blessing. The reality of it is that in marriage, there's always been a power for the wife. And sometimes the wife would manipulate the husband, as happened with Rebecca and Isaac. I don't know how to interpret Ishmael and Hagar being thrown out of the home other than in the providence of God it works out for his purposes. But that had to be the hardest thing Abraham ever did was to send away his own flesh and blood. And yet he did so because Sarah said it needs done. It's not easy. It's not exciting. But we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We all want to have our own way. It's who we are in our fallen nature. And we will manipulate circumstances and people and holler and scream and threaten one another to get our way if we can. Sometimes knowing that we are the strongest verbally in the marriage, we lash out against the weaker spouse. And we know we can win the argument. We're a better debater. I would say often the wife has stronger verbal skills than the husband. It may even be usually. I'm not saying usually, though, because I haven't done a survey. Okay? But I would say that often the wife has better verbal skills than the husband. And this may have happened with Sarah and Abraham. I don't know. But she can win that argument. And when the argument begins and she starts using those skills, that husband who is not as quick with words, he'll shut down. He'll stop talking. He'll draw into himself. And she wins the argument but loses the war. In your marriage, one of you is stronger verbally than the other. 
And you need to learn as the stronger person when it comes to a discussion how to back off, be quiet, and let the person who struggles more to express herself or himself do so. Paul says sometimes, you know, we just need to be quiet. The scripture says sometimes when you're quiet, you're counted as wise. The apostle addresses this because there's been a violation in the marriage in some way, and he has observed it. So the scripture says here, wives, submit. Is God picking on wives here? What about submitting? I would say to you that submission is basic Christianity, all right? I mean, it is a fundamental for our faith. Wives are called to submit to their husbands here, but citizens are called to submit to the civil authorities, to the ordinances of men. In fact, it is defined, submit to every ordinance of men. Not God's divine law, to the ordinance of men. To the magistrates, to the judges, to the governors, to the king. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. Slaves, submit, obey your masters. Children, obey, submit to your parents. All of you submit to one another. You who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Is God asking wives to do something that he doesn't ask husbands to do and single people to do and all people in the body of Christ to do? No. It is a reiteration of a basic Christian principle. We are submitting to one another. We are putting the other person's interests above our own. And it is shown here in marriage. This is how it works out in the wife and husband relationship. We are doing basic Christianity as we set our will aside. Jesus himself submitted. He humbled himself. He emptied himself when he came from heaven to earth. He left all those things behind. He did not exercise his rights and his prerogatives. No. He became a man. And being found in fashion as a man... He humbled himself. He became a servant. He obeyed his parents. The scripture uses this word. He submitted to his earthly parents when he was 12 and having such a startling conversation with the teachers of his day. He was perfect in every way. He was better than them, probably already smarter than them, and yet he submitted to them, to Mary and Joseph, these ordinary people. He submitted himself to them. You think his submission was done when he was out of the house? No. He submitted his life to the Father. He prayed, not my will, but your will be done. In every instance as an adult, he submitted to the Father's will. He did what the Father wanted. He was obedient. He 
practice obedience throughout his adult life. And he came to the end. And he submitted himself in the climactic moment of his adulthood. He submitted himself to the executioner. No one takes my life from me, he said. I lay it down of myself. He laid down his life. He stretched out on those timbers. He gave his hands to the nails. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even death on the instrument of execution. This is the story of Jesus. This is the story of his behavior in relation to his father and the civil authorities and those around him. He came as a servant born in a manger, died on a cross, humbled himself beyond comprehension, beyond our understanding why God would do this, why the Son of God would lay aside his prerogatives to become not just a man, but a, but a peasant, a poor man. And finally, a man dead among the guilty on the place of execution. And when the Scripture calls you in your difficulty and hardship, when grace gets messy and you don't know what to do when you feel like giving up and you don't understand. The Scripture calls you to look at Jesus. Look unto Jesus, the Scripture says. If you're having a hard time, if you're going through difficulty, if you don't know how to act in a relationship or whatever, look unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. And you don't have to look just generally at Jesus. The author of Hebrews has a spot for you to look where you can get help in your time of need, when you can find encouragement, where you can be the person God's called you to be in the most difficult circumstance and situation of your life. Look unto Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Find Jesus hanging on a cross and you'll know what to do next in your own life. Now you get some direction. Now you know where to go when you look at Jesus as he surrenders to the executioner giving up his life. This is the moment when you learn to be a Christian. A Christ follower. A little Christ. And you see your Savior die. Now you know what to do. You lay down your life. You lay down your life. Submitting. Not so much to the authorities around you. And the roles and the circumstances and the ordinance of men. But submitting to your Lord. Who said to you, to you and me, follow me. Come follow me. I'll make you who you cannot be in yourself. And so out of reverence for Christ, for his sake, you lay down your life. You submit. It's here in this moment 
where you find what you need. When life is hardest. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love. Wives, submit. Husbands, love. First blush, it looks like maybe husbands get a better deal out of this. Okay, because they are different words with different meaning. So, wives, submit. Husbands, love. Husbands, love like Christ loves the church, it says. Wow. Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church a lot. In fact, the scripture says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So husbands ought to love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This kind of love is beyond our understanding. And yet is the love to which we are called as husbands. I guess if you were to enter into a marriage and love your wife truly, like Christ loved the church, then that marriage would have to be the priority, wouldn't it? Of all your earthly relationships, you'd have to make that marriage the priority in order to love your wife like Christ loved the church. So maybe you're contemplating marriage. You're on the edge of marriage. Think about it. Do you really want to get married? Do you really want to get married? Do you want to step? I, I meet people all the time who are afraid to get married. They're afraid of being married. And they're reluctant to go to the altar. Is that you? I mean, you ought to think about it. Paul said, as long as you're single... You can devote yourself to the Lord's business and his interests. But husband, when you get married, now you've got to worry about the affairs of this world. How you can please your wife. Do you really want to go there? You really want to go there? You need to think about it. He said, woman, as long as you're single, you can focus on the affairs of the Lord. But once you get married, Paul says, this is 1 Corinthians 7. He says, now you're going to have to worry about, you have concerns about the affairs of this world. How you can please your husband. And Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 7 the same phrase to describe both the husband and the wife's desire in the marriage. They want to please their spouse. It becomes a priority for them. It takes away from other things they might have done. Husbands, love your wives like Christ. Love the church is a high ideal. But I, I fully recommend it. As a man who's been married for 45 years, I love being married. I tell people this all the time. It's a wonderful way to live your life in this covenant of love. Lay down your life, the scripture says. Love your wife like Christ loved 
the church. Love your wife as you love yourself, he says here. As a rule, people love themselves. I know there's some exceptions, you know. But as a rule, you brush your teeth when you get up in the morning. And you take care of that body of yours like the Apostle Paul says here. And he says, you ought to love your wife like you love yourself. In fact, he says, he who loves his wife loves himself. You are one flesh. As Paul quotes here from Genesis, the great marriage verse in the Bible. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they become one flesh. The apostle quotes this as Jesus quotes this verse. They are no longer two, Jesus said, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let no one separate this unity in marriage, this call to be together in marriage. It's powerful. So you're called to two, two things. Love your wife, husband, like Christ loved the church, and love your wife like you love yourself. Lest you think that this is unique instructions for the institution of marriage only, this part about loving this way, I want to remind you of two dimensions of love for which every Christian is responsible. In other words, wives submit is basic Christianity. All right? And husbands love is basic Christianity. Let me show you how. The Apostle John says, just as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for us, so also we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Just as Christ loved and laid down, so we ought to love and lay down for the brothers, not the wife, but the brothers. In other words, it is basic Christianity to lay down your life in love. That's the unique dimension of Christian love. It's what agape is all about. It is that self-sacrificing love that we are to demonstrate to everybody. It is to characterize our life. We are challenged to love this way, our brothers and sisters and all in the family of faith. So what the apostle is saying to husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her is especially dear to us in our marriages, but it applies to all who love Jesus and seek to follow him. Would you follow Christ? Would you love as he loved? Then you must lay down your life for the other. The apostle says, now, husbands, love your wives like you love yourself. I know that reminds you of the second commandment. Where when asked what is the greatest command, Jesus replies, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so the apostle has drawn from basic Christianity, from basic love teaching in the scripture and applied it to the husband-wife relationship. Wives, submit because submission is basic to follow in Jesus. Husbands, love and lay down your life because this kind of love is basic to Christianity. In other words, your marriage 
is a demonstration of the gospel. Your marriage is a demonstration of the gospel. Your submission in the marriage is amazing because it points people to Christ who submitted to the Father. Your love in the marriage is amazing because it points people to Christ who loved us with this kind of love. Marriage is elevated in this passage in an amazing way. This most intimate of all human relationships, this relationship where we live together, where it's 24-7, where we share everything we have, where we, where we become one, in this intense relationship, God demonstrates the gospel through you. Don't try to come over here and tell me the gospel if it's not being lived out here in your marriage, all right? Because you can say what you want to, but if I know what's going on in your home, that's how I think of you. It's not what you say, it's what you do. It's true for your children. You can bring them to church all you want. Bring your kids to church. We want them here. But if in your marriage there is conflict and you are lording it over your wife or manipulating your husband, Jesus said, among the Gentiles, their great ones lord it over and their kings have authority, but not so among you. Who is the greatest person in this home the one who is servant of all the one who is first is the one who is last Jesus turns it upside down and in your home you have an opportunity to demonstrate the gospel in such a powerful way in this marriage, to love one another in this self-giving, laying down kind of love that makes it astonishing for those who see. So that if this is implemented in your marriage and you live this out, it'll always be messy, okay? Because you're not perfect. It's always going to be messy. It's going to be messy, Grace. And sometimes you're going to do it and sometimes you're not and you got to get forgiveness. Part of your relationship with that spouse is perpetual forgiveness. But you have this opportunity to live out a kind of marriage where people on the outside look in and say, whatever that is, that's what I want. That's what I want in my marriage. That's what I want in my home. I want that kind of peace, that kind of joy, that kind of love. It's unfortunate that our homes don't work out that way so often, that they're places of conflict and hardship and difficulty and sometimes selfish will and lording it over one another's and exercising authority and trying to manipulate other people. It's, it's sad that that happens in our marriages. The one it pollutes the most is the one who watches most closely. And dad and mom can go to church, but if not lived out there in the house, what will happen? If our marriages belie the gospel, what will people really believe about us? 
And so Paul says, let's live this basic Christianity in our home. I was just a boy preacher when Patsy and Bill came to see me. I didn't have a clue. I didn't know anything. And their marriage was in trouble after five kids and 30 years. And she told the story of him hurrying in front of her and dashing into the church without waiting for her. And then opening the door for some woman who came after them. And it was like a splinter in her heart. It seemed like he had no time for her, just for some stranger. I wish I could say I'd never seen that again, that a husband would show a kindness to a stranger that he does not show to his wife, or a wife would be gentle toward an outsider when she's not gentle toward her husband. Or we'd be patient with other people outside the home, but impatient with the one we say we love. But the truth is, it happens too much. It happens too much that our basic Christianity we practice with other people and not with the one we say we love, not in the covenant. The challenge is, to start right here in the house and be to one another the follower of Jesus that we have been called to be and learn here to practice the submission that Christ demonstrates and learn here how to love with the love that he lavishes on us. And in this microcosm of life, if we can do that, it will be like the brightest, most beautiful statement of the gospel that we could craft in a lifetime. How's it going in your home and in your marriage? Can we find the heal, the healing for the anger and bitterness and resentment that too often builds up by coming here to these basics, submitting our will, learning again to love as Christ has loved us? Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, I pray for the marriages in this room. I pray your Holy Spirit will spread a blanket of love and submission upon every couple. Lord, that we might learn how to demonstrate these basic qualities of the Christian life to one another faithfully, consistently, operating in grace and forgiveness every day. Lord, I pray that our marriages, 
from the youngest marriage to the oldest marriage here that our marriages might demonstrate the gospel, the kind of gentleness and goodness and faith and self-control and patience and kindness that the Spirit is supposed to and is seeking to produce in every believing heart. God, let it be so in our homes. For the sake of our children, our neighbors, our parents, our nieces, our aunts and uncles, our, our friends, and all who have a glimpse inside in this relationship of ours. God, I pray for single people who are living in faithfulness unto you. I pray that they will use their singleness as an opportunity to advance the gospel, to be concerned about the things of the Lord, as Paul describes. God, that we might bring honor and glory to you as men and women who live our lives faithfully as singles. And God, that you might be pleased to see the submission and love that flourishes in our relationships and in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.